Hey, come on, let's give him a real clap offering. I want to link something in your mind. If you just stay standing just for a moment, just stay standing. I want you to proclaim something in your mind. We've said amen. It shall be so. But I want to link something in your mind. You know, we've just sang, you're never going to let me down. I want us to proclaim it just by speaking it out in a moment. But you know, the proverb says this, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. How, how does that work? How can it be that somebody gives and they get more, more riches in personality and emotional healing, in, in actual provision, and yet somebody grasps onto things and they come to ruin? If you believe the Word of God, I wonder if you could say with me, you are never going to let me down. Can we say that out loud? Come on, let's say it together. Lord, you are never going to let me down. Would you lift your hand with me and make that as a faith statement? That whatever area we're talking about, whether relationships with God, relationships with others, relationship to finances, relationship to our work, relationship to our own health, Lord, you are never going to let me down. Let's proclaim that together. Lord, you are never going to let me down. Can we start from a moment and from a place of faith? I know that some of you may be struggling, you may have situations in your lives, but I wonder if we could just take this moment today to express our commitment and faith and life in Jesus. Come on, one more time. Lord, you are never going to let me down. Come on, one more clap offering them. Take your seat. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. Please take your seats. Thank you so much for your lovely welcome back. Uh, if you are just joining the church, uh, we've been blessed to have a, have a vacation in the United States. And while we were in the United States, we had the privilege of having a tour of Harvard University, a private tour of Harvard University. It was awesome. And actually, I ate chicken with JFK's grandson. Isn't that amazing? How, woo, how amazing is that? The only amazing thing it was that I didn't know it was him at the time. I only knew after he'd gone. Uh, so, but while I was having that tour, part of the tour, I wanted to go into a theology lecture. But the only lecture that was on it or that we could go into at the moment was a maths lecture. Well, we went in and I, this is, you know, I shouldn't say this in a sermon, word of no lie. But the, the maths lecturer said this word then this word, then this word, and I didn't understand any connection between this word, this word, and this word. He was speaking, I was thinking, I'm not getting this at all. And he did this equation on the, on the board. Have you ever seen those films like Beautiful Mind or Hidden Figures, or there's a film called Gifted with a Young Child, where the, 
the formula is just so long, it goes all across the board and then on another line. He was doing that. He was doing all of that. And I was thinking, we're not getting this. Now, Kathy is so nice to me. She says, I'm sure we would have got it had we been there from the start, darling. <laughs> thinking, no, we wouldn't. Or at least I wouldn't. At least I wouldn't have done. Maybe Kathy would have done. But then the lecturer said this. These are the words, exact words. He said, of course, this is much easier if you do it in your head. I was thinking, do it in my head? I don't understand what's coming out of your mouth. But you know, today, what I'm going to talk to you about today is a personal subject. A subject that some of you will be doing well in and some of you, it, it's going to touch, touch a bruise. But it's much better if you make your own commitment today and not just go along with what everybody else is saying. It's much better today if you get it in your head. I want to talk to you a little bit about your relationship to money and to finances. I just wonder, you know, I wonder if God, this week, I wonder if this could happen. What if God had a vision and a dream for your life that was about to drop into your life and it was about to open and flower? Maybe some things have been bubbling along for the past. Uh, maybe some things have been... Uh, bubbling up as a dream. But what if this was the week when God just dropped the whole big vision into your life and it began to open up? wonder how much you would have to disentangle your life and pull apart the different things and get out of a web that you're already involved in in order to do what God dropped into your life. One of those key areas of what we would have to come to peace about would be money. In order to bring us to what we need to do, I wonder if God asked you to do something. You say, oh, I can't do that because I owe this, I owe that. I, I've got this. I've got this commitment, that commitment. I couldn't possibly do that, Lord. You see, it's important that we have a sense of purpose and a sense of vision about our money because it helps shape our life. Now, before some of you think we've got one track mind here, we're doing a spoke series. Your relationship to God is important. Your relationship to other people is important. How many of you have had problems with other people and it just dominates your mind and you, you just can't be happy? But today I want to say to you that this relationship to finance will also be a key area that brings shape to your lives. You know, in the church and as people, I think it might be even a British thing, I don't know. So Africans, we're making you British by you being here. You do know that, don't you? We don't like to talk about money. We don't like to think that we want to get involved in a get-rich-quick scheme or we want to be greedy. It's a very personal thing in our culture. And, and therefore, we, we don't like to think that we're the sort of Christians whereby we, we want to take advantage of anything in order to get, to get a, a leg up that we shouldn't have. Most of us are decent, honest, working people who just want what God gives us. But if you fail to have a plan about your money, it often means, 
It may not be the main, there may not be the only thing, but it will be a main spoke. It will be a main thing. If you fail to have a plan about your money, it often means you do not achieve all that you could achieve in God. And some of you are saying, oh no, God will provide, God will provide. But God often gives big dreams and big plans into people who he can trust into managers and stewards who he can say, you have handled worldly wealth, now let me give you eternal treasures. Why is it that God has such a strong teaching in the Bible on finances? Uh, What is that about? You see, it's this. It's that because God knows that money And finances is really a heart issue, and it reveals our values. I don't know about you, I am absolutely fed up of how many betting advertisements are on TV, aren't you? Every other one, it seems like, and it reveals the values of our culture. In fact, particularly on Sky Sports, so much so, Kathy is wanting me to get rid of Sky Sports because of all these betting adverts. Who's with Kathy? Who wants to stop me watching Sky Sports? Thank you, men, for your support there and some women. But don't you just get fed up? of all the advertisements about betting and how easy it is to bet on your mobile phone and what have you. Don't you agree that, uh, in fact, please, somebody say amen. You know, because betting, it just reveals our values. But see, God talks about money because it's a heart thing. It's a value thing. God doesn't want you to be owned by anything before him. He certainly doesn't want you to be owned by your creditors. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Notice the language, the strength of the language. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, God wants the first place in your life. The, the Bible says God, God is very possessive about his people. He actually says, they will be mine, says the Lord. He wants you to be his first love, his first possession. And he doesn't want money to have that place that God wants to have. In fact, I don't think it's more in our situation that we put money first, but some of us put the worry and concern about money in the first place. Remember that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, that God said to us, you will have no other gods before me. The issue of money is about what's the first place in your life? Who owns that first spot? You see, God's got great plans for you. He's got good plans for you. And without good money management, some of those plans, it may be a chief factor why some of those things don't come about. Listen to Proverbs 10 verse 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. 
when money is mismanaged, it brings great pain. Now, I know that sometimes when you fall out with somebody, that brings great pain. But I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever had this where at the back of your mind, you're worried about your money? There's no other worry like it, is there? It, it kind of, it, it nags at you. The Bible says this, Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. You see, you've got to begin to understand when I manage my finances well, then God will begin to unfold some other plans to me. Wisdom in money, it's not the only thing, but wisdom in money is a great key to life. Proverbs 13 verse 18 says, Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Let me show you two pictures. Let me describe to you two pictures about your life. Picture number one. Always struggling. Always on the edge of worry. Always feeling guilty when you buy something nice and you, you have that Christian conversation with, oh, I wonder if God's okay with this, but I wanted it, or oh, I've had it, and after a while I felt bad about it when I first bought it, but then now I'm okay with it because I've just got used to it. What, what kind of a picture is that, that you're, you're a sort of person that's always struggling, always kind of on the edge of worry about it? you like... The book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6, says this, you've, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but you put them in a purse with holes in it. It just seems like there's always something going wrong with our finances. I wonder if that's the picture that you're living in or close to it. You know, Kathy and I, uh, just before we went on holiday, we had a car accident. And you don't know that. Well, we were stationary, actually, and somebody hit us behind. And you might think, oh, well, that's straightforward. It's the insurance then that will take care of that. We've had numerous calls from different solicitors and lawyers saying, if you'll only sign a form to say that you were injured. And we weren't injured, were we, Kathy? We were not injured. But if you'll sign this form to say you're injured, then we can get you £1,700 each. What a quick fix. I believe. Of course we said no. And of course we, we, we refused that because it's just not true. Now, had we been under financial pressure, you see, financial pressure can hit to your honesty, can't it? Because you think, ooh, well, that's God's provision. God never provides through a lie. Can I hear an amen from the church? If it's not true, it's not true. And I know Pastor Sarah had an accident. It must be over a year ago now, Sarah. Two years ago. It's still not done because of dishonest insurance. You see, what we've got to do is get away from the picture where we're always trying to, and this is an English word for you second language people, finagle our way through and then call it God. We can't do that. Let me paint another picture for you. What about a picture... And I'm going to say this, and it might be dramatic, but what if, 
you could see yourself, let me say it, debt-free. Even your mortgage. Everything. Everything. You were debt-free. No credit card. Nothing. You paid everything by the cash that you had. You were able to help others when you saw somebody. You could say, well, I can help you because I, I have that. What kind of a life would that be? You know, the New Testament says it was for freedom that Christ that set us free. It, it would be a great life. And, and feeding and feeling free and not feeling trapped by money. Now, please... I know that that second picture may take some time, but can I get you just to imagine for a moment what would your life like be? What would your life be like if that was true of you? May not happen tomorrow, but which one would you rather be? Would you rather be struggling all the time or would you rather be debt free? Please, don't react to me emotionally or, oh, it's all right for you, Pastor Mark, or you haven't got what I've got. I'm not criticizing. I'm just trying to get you to perhaps imagine what would that be like. The amen of God says that can be your life. You see, let's build the right financial picture in our life. Let's not listen to the world that tells us it's normal to be worried, slightly manipulative and deceptive, and to always let everybody else set for you what your financial vision should be. Let's come back to Scripture and say, God, you're my Father. You said you'd provide for me. Let me trust you. Which picture do you want to live in? I wonder where God wants to take your finances this next year. Let's come back to brass tacks now. Let's come back to just the next steps. I wonder, you know, even at my stage of life, a little bit older, I wonder what God wants to do with my finances in the next 10 years. He's wondering if you should create a a budget in the next year that that you could perhaps say, well, I've got a great handle on my money, but I'm going to budget in a different way so I can make some more and different plans. Perhaps pay off one credit card. Perhaps that you open up some savings. Perhaps pay off that debt that's been hanging around in your life too long. Some may have longer term goals. You're you're, you're at a stage of life where, you know, you haven't got a mortgage and you might want to clear your mortgage. You might want to say to yourself, well, you know, I've been tithing for years. I'm going to increase my giving. I'm going to say to myself, I, I, I want to learn a, a walk, a new walk of generosity. Or you might think to yourself, I want to save for another item. Uh, something large. I want to start it now. My car, for instance, is a beautiful car. I'm not trying to sell it to anybody, but it's seven years old. So I'm thinking, we'll have to start saving for a different one. You know, perhaps you need to start thinking to yourself. Notice I said a different one, not a new one. Perhaps it's time for someone to start making a few goals in this next year. But whatever happens, your financial vision will be linked to your values. You're going to have to decide what's important to you and what your priorities are. 
You're going to have to decide that it's not every advert and every commercial that tells you what your priorities are, but your values can be shaped by the shepherd's And the good biblical instruction that's in the Word of God. Let the Word of God be your value shaper, not just the television or the cinema advertisements. Jesus talked about it like this. In Matthew 6 verse 19, he said, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy or where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, earlier on in our first service, a couple came to me and said we went on holiday and when we came back, we had been broken into. And what you're saying today, Pastor Mark, is that you want us to have eternal values. Now, that's not that that's not upsetting and it's not that the things that we have aren't important. But when are we going to allow the Scripture to shape our values? You see, if you're going to live your vision and your values, you're going to need a plan. Even if it's uh, your basic plan. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Some of us just don't know where to start. Don't worry. You don't have to be a stockbroker or a hedge fund manager or, or somebody that's like, who's the guy on TV that does the website, uh, moneysense.com, Martin Lewis, isn't it? You don't have to be as savvy as him. You have to understand some basic things and that God will help you. You see, Proverbs says this, Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. It's chapter 15, verse 22. All these references, by the way, if you listen again on the podcast, you'll get them all and you can write them all down. I want to just help you to make a start today. I'm going to close in a few minutes. So I just want to say three important starting points on a financial plan. Number one, giving. This needs to be the top of your financial planning. Although it seems backwards to say it, but through giving, your heart and your character are transformed and protected so that you don't make mistakes. You see, we're not saying, oh, just give to get. Actually, By being generous and being a giving person, something changes here on the inside. Some character begins to be formed. And so that you don't make stupid mistakes. Let's go back to Proverbs 11.24. One person gives freely and gains even more. Now, some of us, when you read this, you think, oh, that's magic. Well, it might, part of it is supernatural provision, and that will happen. But part of it is this. You're a generous person, you give, that changes your values. So when some purchase or something that isn't right for you comes along, you can then see it and go, I'm not doing that. That's not me. I wouldn't do that. 
And, and when Proverbs, if you look at it again, where it says, another withholds unduly and comes to poverty, how does that happen? People who grasp, people who are greedy, they hold it to themselves, and then they make silly, stupid decisions about their finances because that grasping becomes an attitude, and it becomes a sense of, I want to get something quickly. That's why people who give tend to receive more. They receive more emotionally. They receive more in healing. They receive more in attitude. They receive more in character. They receive more in spiritual provision. They actually receive more physical provision and God provision. God does honor that. But we don't give to get. We give to change, to be reformed. The Bible says this way, Paul, speaking to the church in Ephesus, said, in everything I did, I showed you by, that, by this, that the kind of hard work, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. I see a lot of weak people in Birmingham, don't you? We must help them. We must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And he said, say it with me. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. In your financial plan, commit to giving. Commit to tithing. Commit to giving 10% of your income into your local church. It's not yours to decide where you send it. Bring it into the storehouse. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees, You hypocrites, you're giving your tenth of your spices, your mint, your cumin, and you've, but you've neglected the matters of justice, mercy, and the law, and faithfulness. But then he said this, You should have practiced those important things without neglecting the tithing. Jesus himself said, look, start your foundation by being committing to give him 10% of your income into the house of God. You see, we don't give to get. We give to become like the father who gave us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't withhold his son. In fact, Romans 8.29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. He gives us his son, and as we give, we are transformed to be like his son. You know, I'm predestined to be like Jesus really closely, that I mirror him. The Bible says it several times. What I want to happen is that when I get to the, the last few years of my life, that transformation isn't that big because I want to be like Jesus now. Who's with me? Amen? I want to start being transformed to be like him now. We give and it transforms us. Commit to tithing. 
If you've been tithing for years and you've been doing that as your regular practice, why don't you think about thinking, well, I'm going to give a faith offering. I'm going to give a miracle offering. You know, in the first 10 days of December, every part of our tithes, everything that comes in, every offering that we give, we're going to give it away. We're going to give it to the world. We're going to give it to the city. We're going to give it to a national charity. We're going to make sure that BCC blesses someone just before Christmas. Isn't that great? What I want you to do is begin to pray, not just let your normal giving flow through and say, oh, well, the church is giving it away. I want you to pray about what could I specially give in that week? What could I double up in my giving that week? So knowing that you're giving, we're going to bless the world. Wouldn't that be great, church? Can I hear a unanimous, complete amen from every single person? We need to be a generous church, and you are a generous church. So first of all, if you want to start a plan, start giving. Secondly, in your financial plan, reduce or eliminate some debt. If you're in debt... It's time to deal with it because debt is a freedom blocker. We sing songs about freedom. Did you see the X Factor? Did anybody watch the X Factor? Silver chair challenge. Okay. Right, let's just have an honesty moment. I watched the X Factor, not all of it because it goes on for ages. But does anybody else watch the X Factor? Is there any non-Christians in the house who watch the X Factor? Because all these Christians are now lying that you don't watch it. Wasn't that girl great? 16-year-old on the sing-off. And she starts off, you know, the other girl sings some nonsense song. And then she stands up there and goes, There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. The crowd go wild. It was great, wasn't it? Do you saw it? Why didn't you put your hand up? You see... Now I've made it Christian, you all are X-Factor lovers. But you know what? The Christian life's about freedom. Well, I bless that girl, I say. 16-year-old can stand up and just belt out the freedom of God. In any context, it works. Amen? Your life was designed for freedom. And your debts are a freedom blocker. Now, don't get guilty. Don't, get, don't start sinking in your seat. Bit by bit, over time and over diligence, you can get rid of that. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. To get out of debt, you're going to need to learn to budget. And even if you've budgeted in the past... If you want to eliminate debt, you're going to have to freshly budget and target that. You might, you might need to spend less. You might need to earn more. And the difficulty is, if you earn more, you've got to be careful that you don't take on three, four jobs and neglect your family and neglect your church. I've done this teaching and said, come on, you need to earn some more or you need to get a second job or, or you need to work some harder or ask for a promotion or something. And some people have taken that and I've never seen them again in church for months. Or, or they're working so hard that their marriage fails. What point is it 
to earn lots if you don't bless the loved ones that you're working for. You see, we're talking about spokes. We're talking about relationship to God. And you see, it's really important, those people of you who are self-employed, that you hold yourself to good working practices. It's like me being a pastor. I can work as many hours as God sends, and it will never be enough for you or anybody else in Birmingham. But I have to hold myself in and say, well, God, this is what I can do. Is anybody with me on this? So you need to change your lifestyle and say to yourself, I'm going to budget. It might mean working more. It might mean spending less. But listen, husbands, if you're saying, well, we've got to spend less, Pastor Mark says so, don't be stingy. Don't you have a new pair of shoes. Let her have the new pair of shoes. I've seen some husbands, you know, they're so stingy under the guise of, well, I'm budgeting and I'm protecting the family. And yet they have everything they want and everybody else has to make a sacrifice. Real priests of the family, real shepherds sacrifice them first. Can I hear amen, guys? You see, when you're budgeting, you have to get help and you have to get advice. As I said just before, Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So why don't you allow someone, if you're not very good at budgeting, why don't you ask Pastor Paula or Pastor Sarah or Kathy and some of the, our financial coaches, it'll be all confidential and we'll help you. It's no shame in not saying, well, I don't really know how to budget very well. Sometimes it, it isn't just a matter of maths. It's a matter of wise decision-making. So why don't you get some help and advice? Firstly, to make a start give. Secondly, let's eliminate some debt. Let's just knock at least one of them out in the next few months. And lastly, to start your plan, financial plan, you have to understand you have got a future. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, in a technical sense, from now to some time in the, in the future that there's some time that elapses. You say, of course, I've got a future. Listen, this is what I mean by it. God has got some plans for you. He's got some plans for your family. He's got some things that he wants you to do for him. And he's got some things that you'll need to save for and plan for because you have a future. You know, just tap yourself on your heart and say, I have a future. I have a future in God. I've got some things that God wants me to do. You will need to plan for it so that it can happen. So you're going to have to save. I came back from the United States and my washing machine's leaking. What's that about? I'm offended. The fact that it's leaking. But I have to plan for that emergency. First world problems, future purchases. You, you know, unbeknownst to you, and it's probably got nothing to do with you, but some of your children are really smart. They're really clever. You're going to have to send them to university. And instead of complaining to the government why, don't, why they don't pay for it, why don't you save for it and bless your children? Oh, it's gone ever so quiet in here. Some of your loved ones, you're going to get old. I'm sorry to tell you, this is the bad news. 
The good news is that when you get old because you've been diligent, you're going to be able to have a great time in what I call refinement. Not retirement, but refinement. You're going to be able to have a great time because you've been diligent now. You need to plan for that. Some of you are going to die. Not today. And you're going to leave some loved ones behind. And instead of leaving them with loads of debts, why don't you leave them with a blessing? And you could plan for that. You could write in your will. We leave Birmingham City Church 5,000 pounds out of our house sale. And we'll bless our children with the less. You could not give 5,000 pounds now. But you could after you die. Wouldn't that be a blessing? You see, you've got to plan. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back because I want to just say one last thing. In fact, why don't we all stand together? Some of you have come today and this was the last message that you wanted me to preach. Because money and finances is is the worst thing for you. And you know what? Our shepherd heart, we want to say we get that. There's nothing worse than money worries, is there? Maybe, maybe relational things sometimes. So here's the thing, what I want to say to you. I want to speak it over you and into you and shepherdly to you. It's just this. If you could imagine the Nike logo now that says just do it. I, I want you to imagine that logo and underneath I want you to sit, hear this. Just start. Just make a start in whatever little way. You know, financial change, it takes time to execute your plan. It's going to take some sacrifice. It might mean you have to make some lifestyle adjustments and changes. But if you act wisely with your money, here's a truth. Listen to me. Don't, Don't switch off just before the end. If you act wisely with money, Money grows. If you do nothing, it shrinks. If you act wisely with money, it grows. If you do nothing, it shrinks. So there is no option to do nothing. It's in a few minutes. I'm going to ask our hosts if you'll just come and take the covers off the communion because actually what I want us to do in the context of what I've been saying is I want everybody to come and take communion and to thank God for the great gift that God gave us. He gave us Jesus. And just we're just going to come and quietly say thank you that you gave to me, Lord. And then what I want you to do is I want you to take a budget sheet, even if you did your budget last week, I'd like you to take a budget sheet and have a go at beginning to make a budget for you and your family. And if you can't do it, then we'll help you, but that you'll just have a go. And perhaps I could ask some of the hosts if you'll help serve communion and, and perhaps give out some of the budget sheets as people come. But listen to me. Make a plan. If you stick to it consistently, eventually change 
will come. I want you to say those three words with me out loud. Change will come. Come on, everybody. Change will come. I want you to believe that your change will come. I've got one last scripture, and I'm going to say it. I want you to, I'll say a line, and you say it after me. It's Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him. Come on, everybody. Now to him. Who is able to do immeasurably more. Well, we say it again. Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Nothing is going to happen without implementation, without making a start. So lift your hand with me. I want you to make a commitment and say, God, I'm going to make a start. Now, don't wait. As soon as Pastor George begins to lead us in worship with Ure and the team. By the way, haven't the team been great today? Let's just thank them for their ministry. We want you to come. I want you to take communion and say, thank you, God, that you gave to me. And then after you've taken communion, I want you to just take a budget sheet. Even if you know your money to a penny, take a budget sheet and have a little go. And let's make a start. My heart for you is very full. Thank you for your lovely welcome back to us as we come back from holiday. After you've taken communion, if you would like prayer about anything, might even not have anything to do with what I've said today, we'd be happy to pray with you. Let's sing together. So I want you to do three things. Walk, sing, take a budget sheet. Bless your hearts. Let's sing together as we take communion together. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor George and Uri. Come on, folks, let's take communion straight away.